to Vintage Orange on KUCI 88.9 FM. I am Ellen Bell, and welcome. Thanks for joining me for another uh, afternoon at what we talk about here on Wednesdays. We talk about Orange County history, and thanks for joining me. And uh, today we're going to be, you know, it's a beautiful day outside. Spring has sprung, at least until the next rainstorm comes. And, you know, the angels are getting warmed up. The Dodgers are getting busy. And it's a good time to talk about baseball, one of my very favorite subjects. And so to help me get in the mood for another baseball season, I wanted to talk a little bit about the history of baseball. So I've asked my friend Chris Epting to join me. Chris, are you there? I am here, Ellen. How are you? Best news of all. I'm great, Chris. And Chris, you, you've written a, a really great book, Baseball in Orange County, which is one of my favorites, a little Arcadia book that you did a few years back. And it's just chock full of great historic images and interesting facts and stories about baseball in Orange County that I'm sure a lot of people are not familiar with. I mean, most of us think of baseball starting with the Angels, but that's not true, is it? No, it's not, and that's exactly what people think. When I first started this book and I was researching it, people said, well, why are you doing a history book that's going to start you know, in the mid-1960s? And they had no idea that it actually goes back to the 1880s when there were oil, oil companies would come out and they were drilling oil throughout the county, and they fielded teams that had a very organized uh, you know, league of men's teams that played baseball in Orange County starting in about 1880. So, I mean, start, with that as a starting point, you know, there's a lot that happened between that and the Angels coming out. So I wanted to sort of put it all in perspective and context and, and find those stories. Because, you know, when you, when you get into it, all of a sudden you have figures as uh, magnificent as Babe Ruth and Walter Johnson and Jackie Robinson that, that all were in Orange County, yeah. that all spent time here, that most you know, played baseball here to some degree. So there are these, you know, there are those stories. Then underneath that, there are these other, you know, different stories about women's leagues and Hispanic leagues and even Little League is in there. You know, the last picture in the book was, it was the Huntington Beach one, the Little League World Series. So the last image I went out and shot the field the day they won. So it it runs the gamut from, from, you know, Little League all the way up through the Angels. And in in between, you've got these just remarkable legends that were here and some other really lesser known stories too. Yeah, it's true. I, I mean, I consider I'm a I'm a big baseball fan. I'm a big lover and follower uh, of the Angels, and and uh, you know when I picked up your book, I was surprised how much I had to learn, and so I really enjoyed um, all of the stuff that's out there. And baseball really is part of the fiber of Orange County. I mean, not even not just today, but it, it was around like you said before there even was Orange County, right? I mean, even before. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was still part of L.A. County. And then, you know, for me, one of the real kind of seminal moments is in the late 1800s when a guy named Walter Johnson, who would eventually go on to become, you know, if not the greatest right-handed pitcher in history, um, I think he is, you know, moves out with his family as a teenager from Kansas, and they moved to a place called Olinda, which is today Brea. Mm -hmm. They changed their name um, way back when. And so you've got the legacy of this guy. He goes to Fullerton High School, and, you know, Walter Johnson you know, burns it up, learns how to throw a baseball in Orange County, burns up all the local leagues, and then goes on to this um, really remarkable Hall of Fame career. And he's, he's one of, you know, people, they don't equate Walter Johnson with this area. They're, they're usually, you know, in disbelief that that happened, and, and even more disbelief when they learn that he fielded a team against Babe Ruth in 1924 out there in Bray when the city asked him to come back and play a, sort of a benefit game to help the city. And he did, you know, he did them one better. He, he played the game, but he also recruited Babe Ruth to uh, manage and play uh, with the other team against yeah. him. So well, th- that, to me, is really one of the great, 
it's my favorite aspect of Orange <laughs> County, that, that particular game. Yeah, well, tell me, it happened, what was it, Halloween, right? It was, it was Halloween, October? in fact, the very popular um, Anaheim Halloween parade that people know of now. It started in 1924 on that day. The parade was actually a way to bring the players into the, into the field, you know, from Anaheim. So it actually, you know, wrote a piece of Orange County history the day that game was played. And there were, um, you know, great players on both sides. It was played in the late afternoon. There were tens of thousands of people there. For me, what really made it stand out, though, was that I got a phone call one day from a guy back east whose dad had been at the game. There's very little coverage of this game, no pictures or anything. And this guy's dad had been 18 years old on that, you know, at that time, and he took pictures. And so he, they sent me the negatives, and, and they appear in, in that book for the very first time, I mean, actual pictures of Babe Ruth, you know, batting in, in Brea, and, uh, and Walter Johnson pitching these, these really important photos that the uh, Outland family was, was generous and kind enough to let me use in the book. And it, again, it's, it's just so amazing that there's proof that Babe Ruth was here, you know, <laughs> and I traced the hotel where he stayed in Fullerton and all the kind of places he touched and stuff. So it's, you know, I, for me, that's what makes it really special. That's what turns heads. I mean, Babe Ruth is arguably, you know, one of the great sort of Mount Rushmore-type figures in the 20th century. You know, in, in that era, in the 20s, it's really between Charlie Chaplin and Babe Ruth. Those are the two most recognizable faces on earth, you know, yeah. and especially when he came out here. So it's, uh, it really is a big deal. And, and from there, of course, you, you get to Joe DiMaggio in the in early 1950s or late 40s, rather, coming out in the Army, being stationed in Santa Ana and playing, you know, in Anaheim and, and all this. So it really is, you know, again, once you start doing your research, you realize that Orange County has a remarkable baseball legacy that, that no one, I mean, you're a good baseball fan, I know, and I know plenty of other really good baseball fans that just didn't know about this stuff because the stories hadn't been told before. No, it's true, and that's why it's so important to have, I mean, that's what these, these Arcadia books kind of fit that, that need, is that they give us the images and give you an opportunity to be able to have, to see these images that have been yeah. in people's, you know, um, under their beds or in their attics or whatever, and you get them actually out in the public where you can see these images of Babe Ruth here in, in oh, you know, in Brea, and, and and be able to say, yeah, he was here, and for the first time, we get to see these images, too. And so you mentioned, um, you know, that, that baseball is going along. What were some of the parks and places that baseball was being played back then before, you know, Anaheim Stadium is built? Where is baseball being played in, in the 30s, 40s, and 50s? Well, there was a place that's still there today called La Palma Park in Anaheim, which is a really pretty little WPA era, you know, 1930s ballpark. And what's notable about that, a couple of things, actually. In 1940, Connie Mack brought the Philadelphia Athletics out here to spring train there for a couple of years until World War II, in which case there was no real baseball travel with teams. So that, I think, is incredible that Connie Mack actually led his team uh, at La Palma Park. It's right on Lincoln Boulevard in, in Anaheim, not too far from Angel Stadium. And as well, Jackie Robinson in the early 1950s, filmed the story of his life there. He actually starred as himself in the Jackie Robinson story. And La Palma was used for, um, for a lot of those shots as well. In Fullerton, there's a place called Amherst Park, which is also very notable. 
Um, it's where, I mean, Babe Ruth played there, Satchel Page played there, Joe DiMaggio played there, a lot of local teams, high schools and colleges played there. It, it opened in, I believe, 1934, before there was ever a baseball game. You know, there was a film shot there called Alibi Ike, starring the old great comedian Joe E. Brown. It's not a great movie, but what's notable about it is it marks the film debut of, of, a, of a screen star um, named Olivia de Havilland. Her very first appearance on film was shot at Amaridge Park wow. in Fullerton which is kind of a neat little, you know, trace of Hollywood there as well. So, I mean, there are other fields, too. There was one uh, long-gone park in Santa Ana where Walter Johnson played that's no longer there. But the fact that Amaridge and La Palma are still there, I think is remarkable. Those are two, again, 1930s-era ballparks that could easily have been torn down by now, but they haven't been. Mm -hmm. And baseball is still played there. So I I always encourage people to go watch even a Little League game there when those are played there, just to watch on that field. I mean, Honus Wagner played on that field. Oh, that's amazing. It's it's so notable. It's just an incredible uh, thing that we have both those fields still here today. Yeah, and it would make sense. I mean, that this would be a the, the baseball is so much a part of the area, and it's the you know the weather and the, that and all that. But it really comes from some of these early uh, teams that trained here, and you know a lot of people know that the the Cubs were over in Catalina, and you had yeah. the Angels and that uh, the, all the different leagues that were happening here, the semi pro, you know, the PCL and all of that. Um, but there was a lot of baseball happening here, and uh, that wasn't necessarily um, what we think of as baseball. There was a lot of kind of unconventional teams being played and it seemed to me like baseball was just a pastime at the time you know it was much more of an entertainment and there were all these different different types of leagues between cities and uh, oh yeah very lots of lots of kind of semi-pro sort of what they would call almost like town ball and and just you know local leagues as you say they were just kind of thrown together family leagues and things baseball was very popular and and so you had these, um, you know, in addition to very organized, you know, situations, you had these also, like you say, very casual, kind of loosely organized uh, things as well. Baseball was played at parks all throughout the county. And, um, you know, once Little League started in the early 50s, that also, you know, took off like wildfire in Orange County. Yeah. And and so that played a part as well. But, um, yeah, way before the Angels, baseball was, was very deeply rooted in Orange County. You know, and they always say that baseball, the problem with it and the problem in the future is that it's too difficult to play. You know, you can't just do a pickup game. You need the equipment. You need the place and all of that. But, but baseball was being played all over the place, you know, without a lot of difficulty. Sure. And um, it seemed like it didn't seem to be stopping anybody back then from playing all kinds of different pickup games. <laughs> types of games. No, not at all. It's as simple as having a catch if that's all you've got. And the yeah. fact was baseball was so popular. We didn't have the major, when you didn't have major league baseball here, but you did have the Pacific Coast League. You did have, you know, the Angels playing up in L.A. and you had a variety of teams up and down the coast, up in Sacramento and, and Seattle and San Francisco and Oakland and all that. So baseball was popular. I mean, it was, you know, it was a very big deal. And, you know, um, that's why I think, you know, Players would come out here in in the off season too, because the weather was good, and they could make some money out here playing pickup mm. games and and exhibitions and things. So little by little, I mean, one, of course, once the late fifties come and both the Dodgers and Giants move out um, to California, that ushers in this whole new sort of um, appreciation of baseball, and all of a sudden it's a lot more serious. There's a business, and yeah. a lot of the smaller teams go away because they can't compete with mm-hmm. what happened in the late fifties. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And so what were some of those kind of leagues? I know there was the, what they call them, the trolley league or the, where they would just kind of, because they were connected on the, the... Yeah, the trolley league would play. They would take the Pacific, you know, the red line, the, uh-huh. the red line, the, the Pacific, the electric cars, the yeah. trains would come down and they were color coded. So they, depending on where you came from, what the colors were, um, you had teams that were named after the colors, you know, pinks and reds and oranges and things. And, and all those, that was early, that was like the 1920s. Mm-hmm. And all of those leagues did really well. I mean, people were so hungry for baseball that it was very easy to, for these startup leagues um, to attract a crowd. And all throughout Santa Ana and Fullerton and Anaheim, these things existed. And then again, you had the oil well teams too, which were also very popular and a pretty decent brand of baseball. These were young, strapping guys who worked yeah. in the oil fields, who were good players. So, so local fans loved those as well to go out and watch. You know, and you, I mean, Walter Johnson played on one of those teams, and you did have pro players early on who did spend some time playing for oil companies. That teams. was their their minor league, and um, yeah. you know, and the, didn't you say in your book that some of the companies would kind of recruit employees based on? Oh, absolutely. Would, would they, do we need no? A, it was a very competitive. Baseman? The oil leagues <laughs> were very competitive, so they would. There was definitely recruiting going on, yeah. and. You know, they would get guys in who may not have even been a good oil worker necessarily, but who were a good baseball player um, just to win games. No, those leagues were, were highly competitive and, and taken very seriously. Yeah, and Walter Johnson, and just to be clear, I mean, this is he's in the first class of the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's clearly one of those he's one of the elite. titans. He's one know, of the absolute of, of elite. And not just elite, he was one of the good guys, too. Walter Johnson was always noted as a true gentleman, a gentleman's gentleman, you know, very soft spoken, as ferocious as his fastball was. Yeah. He was a decent human being. He was a good guy, you know, and this is during sort of a very roguish era in baseball <laughs> where they weren't all like that. But he was, you know, a teetotaler and just a, yeah. by all accounts, a really stand-up guy. Too. And he, the first time he ever touched a baseball was in Orange County, right? I mean, he... it was out in Carbon Canyon where his family lived. His dad worked in the oil fields. And I went and actually used the insurance maps to figure out, I had read about where on their property he first took a baseball up so geographically obsessed as i get <laughs> i went to find where that backyard was and i noted i think there's a little map in there someplace yeah. that shows like precisely where he would have picked up a baseball because you know that to me matters a guy Absolutely. you know it's sort of like what babe ruth first picked up baseball in baltimore i did the same thing there went and found <laughs> took the very first photo and lined up um where that was and uh yeah it's, it's a big deal and and he right away they knew was very special yeah. As as a as a pitcher, and it didn't take him long at all to work his way up the ranks. And he was out of there in a couple of years after getting scattered by the Washington Senators. Yeah, and he didn't. Uh, I know he came. He was here for that Brea Bowl game. Did he come? Was that one of the last times he was in Orange County? Because it was the last the time Coast. he was in California. He yeah. had come out to see about possibly buying a team or getting a franchise. It didn't work out, and then he left, and that was his last trip. Hmm, hmm. And then you, you'd mentioned earlier Joe DiMaggio. He was en- enlisted. He it was during World War II, and so he was in Santa Ana at the yeah. He was um, in the army. Army and uh, played on the. I mean, I, that was that's an interesting story too because I imagine that was kind of a hodgepodge of players on that team because they were from the base and you know he'd already he was already playing baseball by then. He was a star. A lot of <laughs> lot of you know major league stars at that point enlisted. They they wanted to defend their country. Yeah. And similar to the oil leagues, those those army leagues and military leagues were very competitive. I mean, they were, you know, these were young guys who wanted to win. But, of course, when you have a ringer like Joe DiMaggio on your team, you know, it makes it 
but that must slightly have, easier. That must have been incredible for some of these guys that were not base professional baseball players. You know, they were just maybe good athletes or something, and all of a sudden they're playing on the same team with Joe DiMaggio? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, look, <laughs> Ted Williams, Bob Feller, they all yeah. played on military teams, and they you know, they wanted to serve their country, but it also gave them a chance to stay sharp. They knew they'd be back, you know, God willing, on the playing field soon. And so they wanted to make sure they didn't uh, disappear for a year or two without ever having thrown a baseball or swung yeah. a bat. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, again, another just one of those connections with um, baseball history and right here in Orange County. And now there were some teams that people um, lesser known, they weren't, you wouldn't find them on a baseball card, but they were important here locally. And one of those teams didn't involve men at all. It was a female team. Uh, Tell me about the Orange Lionettes. The Lionettes were a women's <laughs> softball team, yeah. and they were incredible. They played in these really pretty, interesting satin uniforms, and these women were great athletes. They won, I think, eight championships over the course of 20, 25 years or so, and they were a huge draw. They played over in Old, Tar- Old Town Orange, and uh, the field is still over there, oh, and yeah. you know they toured all over the country. But they played a very solid, very high-end brand of softball, and it was very popular, and these it was sort of like a league of their own. If you remember that movie, it was sure. that kind of, you know, it was that era, you know, it was, it was fast you know, pitch 40s softball. And, 50s. and it and was, it was before that even, I mean, before that league. It took started off. before that. Yeah, it did. It did have its, its origins earlier, but it was very, it was very organized. And the women's softball leagues then were super organized because they were so popular, you know, and, and again, they, they made it interesting. The uniforms were, were very unique and, and uh, and colorful and but you know more than anything the quality of play was there you know and and these women were were very solid athletes and uh, there's still a few of them around you know they still get together and have reunions and things Do and they? Uh, it's it's a great part though I mean I included even though it was softball I still felt like it belonged in that book because it was played on a diamond you know well, and, absolutely and and, think- and and really made a difference and and gave women an opportunity. To, uh, to go out and play, you know, their own brand of a game on the diamond. Yeah, because it was happening locally here, and it was it was very popular, use, as you say, and so um, a big part of the history and what people would remember in watching those those games. And and then there was a um, was like a, a neighborhood or a barrio league, you know, with the different teams. Well, there and- was a group called the Tomboys, and that was actually another women's league. And the Orange Tomboys, they were, you know, all-female baseball softball league yeah. who were all Hispanic, who played around Anaheim, Santa Ana, Westminster, La Habra. And, and again, it gave, we were still in a lot of ways kind of a segregated nation, you know. And, and so much like, you know, black players had the Negro Leagues and the Major Leagues, the Hispanic women kind of formed their own leagues. They wouldn't have to deal with any kind of separation. And, and you know, the men had their own league as well. Um, there was a team called the Padres, based in Orange, California, who were, you know, a male, male Hispanic team. And so you have these kind of, you know, ethnicity, you know, mm-hmm. ethnic teams that branched out on their own and appealed to local origins that were of the same ethnicity, you know. So really there was something for everybody all throughout the 20s into the 60s till the Angels came. There really was. I mean, you had your choice of, of a lot of things you could see involving men, women, um, you know, Hispanic Americans, all kinds of things. And, uh, and I think that was great that we had so many choices back then in terms of what people could watch on a diamond. Yeah, baseball was being played everywhere. And you know, we've talked all this time and we haven't even talked about the Angels yet. So there you go. Just the proof of your and you book. you don't have to. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> their own discussion. We can, but... No, yeah, you know, I, I know. think when the... 
When the Angels came out, obviously they had played, they had shared Dodger Stadium for a number of years, and then Gene Autry, of course, brings them down here. And, and right away, I mean, it's so, it was so popular. You know, the Angels had a lot of charm and some really good players early on, and we had a you know, brand-new stadium, which is now the fourth oldest ballpark in the major league somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and with the big A, of course, that was originally um, out in left field, used as a scoreboard. Now it's out in the parking lot as kind of a message board. But um, the Angels were, were a big deal down here, uh, just like they are today. I think they really helped bridge the gap between San Diego and Los Angeles uh, once the Padres arrived and, and gave sort of Orange County its own brand of baseball. You know, it wasn't, it, you know, with the L.A. Dodgers, they were the former Brooklyn Dodgers. It took them a while to get over that hurdle and be accepted. But the Angels were, they had been here for a while playing in the Pacific Coast League, so people knew who they were. And they were actually an authentic local Southern California team. And so I think that's why people sparked to them um, as they did early on down here. And the timing is right, too. I think that they arrived in, you know, the mid-60s, I think, is it 64? or six, When yes. was the stadium open? Uh, 66, 66, I think the ballpark opened. Um, in the, yeah, when they finally came here and started playing in Anaheim. And um, that's kind of when Orange County's tr- making that transition from agriculture to cities. And it's yeah. really kind of maturing and coming into its own as a metropolis area. And so the Angels come in right at that time. So you're, you're getting new cities and, and new suburbs growth. And then you have your own baseball team. So it was kind of a nice... A nice fit no, there. you're right. It did. It did definitely, and it helped usher in kind of the the suburbanization, if you want to call it, of Orange County. And the Angels being here definitely, um, you know, helped that happen. You know, for better or worse. I mean, again, you have a ball club, you need fans, and you need a population around it, and uh, and they did that. But you know, I think I think the team has has grown really well out here. I mean, they're definitely part of the fabric of mm-hmm. the Orange County community. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I mean, I love going to Angel games. I think we're lucky to have that ballpark the way it is. I mean, again, it's it's a it's one of my favorite parks in the major leagues. And the Angels, especially since '02 when they won the series, have really you know they're always coming. Mean, last couple of years, notwithstanding, but up until then, really we're fielding very competitive teams. Yeah, and it still is a fra- family franchise. I think that's one yeah. thing that um, it's it's a nice vibe about the Angels. It's still there. I mean, even though you've, it's gone through ownerships since Gene Autry, but it, I, I think it still kind of has that, uh, you know, it, it's getting to be a bigger market team, and obviously the payroll, they're paying big market prices, but it still kind of has that small market you know, oh, I agree. You know, a little bit of that minor league yeah. training kind of feel. Which, yeah, it does. Which it suits does. the Angels, I think. I mean, I think it, it fits it, and it it's a it's a good fit um, because you know Orange County is a big. It's becoming bigger all the time, but it still likes to feel kind of like a small town. And, I agree. Um, so I think the Angels work well here, and and I know you're a fan. And so is that how you? Got it. I mean, when did you start getting involved in baseball? I mean, I mean, obviously you've been a fan all your life. So how did how did you get drawn in? Well, I mean, that's it. I've been a fan, and I played a ton as a kid, and you know, I never stopped going to batting cages and all that. Um, and I just, you know, I got to a certain point in my life where you know you want to start. I wanted to start um, documenting a lot of the stuff yeah. that I was so passionate about. I like history and I like baseball, so. You know, I've done a number of baseball books mm-hmm. and eventually just figured, why not do one right here? Because I had done 
things around the country and a book on L.A. and all that sort of thing. But, you know, I, I sort of overlooked where we were, and I was one of those people that didn't really appreciate the baseball history here. But once I got into it, I thought, wait, there is, you know, there's a great, I think, a really good book that wants to happen out of this. And so, for me, it's just about documenting things I'm interested in and hoping that there's a few other people out there as well that will, you know, come along for the ride. So what was your biggest surprise? You know, I know when you go on these little treasure hunts of books like this, there's always something. You've talked about this Yeah, in the past. there was a few things. I mean, I think the main thing, though, I loved learning about the Hall of Famers that came out of Orange County, especially Gary Carter, who I loved. I usually one of my favorite players. Um, from right when he started. And you know when he came out of Fullerton in that area, it was fun to go see the field named after him. And it was, I like that, but I think the surprise was, for me, it's, it's kind of in the weeds. There's a photo that's in the book of Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, and it's a pretty famous photo. They've been hunting ducks. Oh, yeah. They're holding all these ducks. And there were all these gun clubs in Orange County back then. Mm-hmm. So the story was always that they had gone to Huntington Beach to the Balsa Chica Gun Club, which was like a really famous hunting lodge, and spent a day hunting ducks. And that picture is always identified as that, but it never quite tracked for me. It was like the trees in the back aren't really at the wetlands, you know, in Huntington Beach, which I walked there a lot. So that picture was always kind of weird to me, and I was sort of challenged the fact of whether it was really at Bolsa Chica. So I dug into it more and discovered that it wasn't. I actually tracked down as a guy in one of the photos, his name was, his name was Glenn Thomas. He ran a car dealership. Yeah. Still there, in fact, on, on the 405 in Long Beach. And I went to talk to his family, and I learned that he wasn't even a member of that gun club. Where he was a member was a gun club called the Farmer's Gun Club over right where the Los Alamitos track is. That's On that site, there was a there was hunting ground. Uh-huh back then. And that's where that picture was taken. So, you know, I always wondered, you know, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, two of the most iconic faces in sports history. They were in Orange County. It was Lou Gehrig's only trip ever to California. And locating exactly where that photo was, for me, was kind of a big deal because now I can really place it. When I drive by out there um, on Catella, I can look over and say, okay, that's where they were. This is where Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig were. Uh, you know, sadly for me, because I live here, not Huntington Beach, but, but I liked resolving that, because it always kind of bugged me that they, they said it was Huntington, but I knew in my head it just it didn't make sense. Yeah. So that, for me, was really kind of the, the main thing to, to reveal. And, you know, beyond that, I mean, I, I got to, uh, I created a marker, you know, created this marker project to mark the final resting place of Jack Norworth, who wrote Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Right, He's buried yeah. over at Melrose Abbey Cemetery in Anaheim. You can see Angel Stadium from it, in fact. And so that all of that is documented in the book. The great pitching legend uh, Hall of Famer Raleigh Fingers and I co-hosted this ceremony to unveil this plaque that I really wanted placed there. And that, for me, it wasn't a surprise so much, but to put that in the book really kind of made it forever. You know, that was putting those pictures in there and telling that story. I was so proud of that day, of everyone that helped out. Yeah. It was a big, really big deal to me. So that, I think, is my favorite little part of the book, is the story of that market being placed, and the whole take me out to the ball game history in Orange County. Yeah, and which, again, another one of those untold stories or the people who don't knew, know right. how much history is here. And, and so the book is Baseball in Orange County, and it's through the Arcadia Publishing Books. And I, I've enjoyed it. It's, it's definitely one of my staples to go to. And when I want to get in the mood for, our, for spring training hemp comes around, it's a good one to pull out and look at. And, That's and, very kind of you, Owen. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing it. And I, I think it's nice. I mean, you've, you've done something. You've lived in Orange County a long time now, and this is something you've, you're giving back. I mean, you're giving this history 
history to people so that they can go and learn about their own history here. So so I appreciate what you do, and, and I encourage anybody to get this book and, and check it out for yourself. So, well, thank you very much. Well, thank you, Chris Epting, for being with me again. I, you know, I appreciate you having you here on Vintage Orange, and, you know, I, I want to, the next book, you have a book coming out very soon. It's a music book, right? Your, your next yeah, project? Yeah, it's a memoir, actually, that I co-wrote with a guy named John Oates, who is one half of Hall and Oates. He's the second one. Yeah. <laughs> and that comes out in just a couple of weeks, I think March 28th. That's and exciting stuff. So we'll be looking for that one. So you're always writing about something new, which is what makes things so interesting. Right? Something I like. <laughs> That's all I can <laughs> something do. Something you like. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's got to be something I really like. And music and baseball are probably my two favorite things. Those so are good easy. subjects for me, too. So thank you, Chris, for being with me. And thank you to all of you for tuning in to Vintage Orange today. I appreciate it. Here on KUCI 88.9 FM, this is Ellen Bell. And I will see you next week.